Good morning, Westchester. Um, as, so the last two weeks uh, from the pulpit, we've been moving through Matthew 18 and what Matthew 18 says about forgiveness and, and having uh, even in a sense of the, the passage in Matthew 18 that a lot of people build uh, their policies for church discipline around, it's about seeking the wanderer and bringing someone who's, who's wandering away from Christ back to right relationship with Christ. And then the end of Matthew 18, setting our standard of forgiveness, not on the person's behavior, not on our own goodness, but on the forgiveness that God has extended to us. And that's where Jesus draws the line. He says, if you forgive because the Father has forgiven you, and you forgive like the Father has forgiven you. And those are, those are hard words because we carry through this life and living in a fallen world, we carry some deep hurts. And um, so last week we set up a little bit of a biblical theology of forgiveness, what it means that God has forgiven us, that he separated our sins as far as the east is from the west, that this is done by his grace. This is, this is an act of his love that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And this morning, um, we have the privilege of welcoming a friend of Westchester, Kent Shornack, up. And uh, Kent, why don't you come up? Kent is a friend of, of Westchester. He has done a lot of great ministry with us. Uh, Kent works at Grandview, and then he, he is also a counselor. And so he's going to talk this morning uh, about forgiveness more from a counseling perspective. And I, I told Kent when I asked him, I said, I'm just going to create a big mess and, and let you come in the next week. And uh, so, Kent, thanks yeah. for being willing to do that. Been doing that all along, Chuck. Yeah. That's that's what it is. All right. Thank you, Kent. All right. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, good. I'm not used to uh, I'm not used to having a mic as a counselor, you know, so (laughs) I need to know how that works all right. Hey, good morning. I maybe I caught you by surprise there. Let me say that one more time. Good morning. Good morning. Good. Thank you. Um excuse me? Thank you. Same to you. Buenos dias. Um, it is, I just have to tell you that I'm just, um, I'm just really grateful to be here. Um, I've had a long history with Westchester. Some of you guys, some of you oldies, I even go back to the Doug Corlew days. Does anybody remember Doug Corlew? So I go back to the Doug Corlew days and the Bruce Bentley days and Pastor Paul and Don Long. They, you know, I have a long history here. And my most probably common history or maybe noble history is um, Kind of the grace you guys have offered me here to, I, I work full-time at Grandview. I was in private practice before counseling and then uh, maintain a private practice. And your church provided me space uh, for free uh, to just counsel, uh, provide counseling for people in the church or community. And I've been kind of waiting for an opportunity just to say thank you. <laughs> so I'm going to take this moment to say thank you uh, to your church and uh, just the grace you provided me and my family. It's, uh, it's been a great friendship and a great partnership. So... I got a chance. Thank you. Um, Pastor Chuck asked if I could um, talk with you some just about forgiveness from a counseling perspective, and I think that's wonderful. I, I, I love the fact that you're kind of unpacking this and you've invited me to kind of share as a part of that, so I just I really appreciate that as well. I have to tell you that um, I am a little disappointed in myself, and I know forgiveness is nothing to joke about, but I wanted to kind of, I thought I'd kind of start off with a a good joke, and I'm afraid I'm not going to deliver as well as I hope I would. But true story, um, I literally just got back from Bryce and Zion Canyon. My wife and I, Nancy, uh, got back yesterday, early yesterday morning. And um, we had a great trip. We were traveling 
uh, there at the hike, but we went with a small group of people that we didn't know um, as a part of some work that Nancy does. And it's people who want to hike, but they also want to just think about life and process life together. And um, we were in the company of um, a doctor, two, three doctors, uh, a proctologist, a gynecologist, uh, a spiritual director, a female Jewish rabbi, two, two counselors, Christian counselors, and an administrator at a hospital. And um, so it was this just crazy mix of people, and it was, uh, um, it was a beautiful time. We shared together and laughed together and talked, and um, it was just really rich. And I talked with that group of people about the fact that I was going to talk with you, and so we had some conversation on a van ride out to hiking about forgiveness, because I was just curious about all these perspectives. And um, in the midst of it, I just kind of began to laugh to myself, and like, what are you, and they were like, what are you laughing about, Kent? And I thought, you know, this could probably make for a great joke. Kind of like, the, you know, what do you get when you put a proctologist, a gynecologist, a rabbi, and two Christian counselors in a van? Kind of joke. And I don't have a great delivery on this one, but here's what I came up with. I wasn't going to say this, but Amy, thank you for your utter mug because you gave me permission. <laughs> So um, I might be in the doghouse with you, but here you go. Here's what, I, here, here's what I came up with, just based on the learning I had in this conversation about forgiveness with the mix of people. Here we go. Here it is. Proctologist, gynecologist, rabbi, and counselor. No matter what your view. Uh, it can be a buttload of work in the hope of giving birth to redemption by engaging others in the process of forgiveness. That's all I got. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> Didn't know if I was going to share that until you were up here. So, uh, you know, that, that said, and maybe it, maybe it shouldn't have been. <laughs> uh, again, I really appreciate the space to, to talk about forgiveness with you guys. I'm, I'm reminded that... Um, I'm reminded that Jesus didn't say merely, you know, here's the truth, believe me. Um, Jesus said, I am the truth, follow me. And so, as I think about sharing words with you today, I hope I can offer some good thoughts, but probably really what's most important to me is that somehow we wrestle together, not just hearing good information that Chuck's provided, and hopefully I can get better, we really think about um, how do we walk in the way of Jesus? How do we follow <laughs> this example of forgiveness? It's one thing to have information. It's wholly another thing to say, I want to walk there. So that's my, my prayer for us. That's way more than I can deliver. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to pray and ask God help us in this, and we'll, we'll talk some, okay? Father, um, I'm, just, I'm so thankful for your grace. I just pray for your your spirit to be among us, and um, as we think about forgiveness, as these folks have been thinking about that for a few weeks, a long time, uh, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would breathe amongst us, and it not just be kind of words we think about, but you would, uh, that you compel us actions um, to take in, forgive, in forgiving others and receiving forgiveness. So I just pray for your spirit's uh, empowerment in that, we ask in your name. Amen. Um, I'm not used to a big table. This is nice, Chuck. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you ever think about the Garden, um, the Garden of Eden and, and, and what it was like before the fall. I think about it a lot. <laughs> and to think about the idea that, you know, um, 
to be unashamed, uh, to be relationally open and connected in a way with another where there's no embarrassment, there's no pretense, there's no harm, to have there be like no toil in your labor. Could you imagine like if you're a farmer tilling up the ground or digging the ground and the earth just kind of unravels for you to not have toil and labor, uh, to be walking in fellowship with God and have that kind of connection. I think about that a lot, um, what it was like uh, to be in the garden. And whenever we long for something, whenever we long for connection, whenever we long for justice, whenever we long for joy, whenever we long for purpose, I think as we think about things, those things, we're actually longing for the garden. We're longing for what God's original creation was and intended for us. Ironically, the thing that probably most brings our longings to the light um, is sin. When we encounter brokenness in our relationships, uh, disappointments in this world, places that we've been harmed, it's probably when our longings most come alive. Uh, And it's sin that seems to uh, draw that out the most. Um, Sin, I wrote down in my notes, destroys the divine ideal and raises our longings inside us when we encounter brokenness. And the only remedy that I really know of that we have that we can offer to those kind of injustices, and it seems like our injustices that we can do to one one another are just unmeasurable. But the only remedy I know that can bring uh, a remedy to that brokenness is forgiveness. Forgiveness heals the hurt of sin. And so I really, again, appreciate that that's what you guys are, again, focusing on, talking about. Forgiveness returns that which is lost kind of back And as we forgive and choose to follow that path, we begin to create a picture once again of the garden, of God's uh, inherent creation for us to be living in fellowship with one another where we're restored and uh, we enjoy a fellowship. Like, I I don't even know if we can really imagine. (laughs) I just know as we follow the path of forgiveness, we create a little picture of what that must be like to live in the garden. Um. Interesting, interesting enough, and this probably comes as no surprise, um, modern research, modern science actually supports something that the scripture's been talking about for thousands of years. Uh, and I'll tell you this, uh, I was writing down and looking up some things just around how forgiveness itself uh, transforms people both mentally, spiritually, emotionally, uh, even physically. There's numerous studies where forgiveness reduces depression. People who practice forgiveness, it reduces depression. It reduces stress. It increases hopefulness. It decreases anger. Improves spiritual connection. It increases emotional and relational health. Science says that. Scripture's been saying that for a long time. Science supports and affirms. It's also interesting to note that studies show that when we don't practice forgiveness, when we hold resentment and anger uh, inside us, uh, we're at greater risk for heart disease, for high blood pressure, chronic stress. Uh, risk of anxiety, depression, insomnia, insomnia, I got that one, ulcers, back pains, migraines. Um, And so God has given us a tool, a means to kind of restore, and there's physical evidence that we can find about what happens when we do and when we don't. Um, Taking care of our social health is actually shown to give you a longer life uh, than taking care of your physical health. Like if you exercise, eat well, do that kind of thing, actually if you take care of your social health, you will live longer, uh, which is a great promotion for any counselor out there. By the way, Nancy, Deb Gickle, are you in here? 
Don't see Deb Gable. But anyway, um, it, you know, if you could turn in your gym membership and come, you know, come talk, come, that's, come, come talk to us. That is really a bad, Kent. Um, <laughs> a bad promotion. Anyway, uh, but it's true. It takes care of your social health. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk with you a little bit about some thoughts. And I don't know if you guys got a handout. There is a handout available. And, and so if you a note taker, you can have one. If you don't have one, fine. Just pick one up on the way out. But I just kind of made these available so you could have something to take away with you if you'd like to. But what I'd like to do is talk a little bit about um, what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not from my perspective. And then I'd also like to talk with you um, as well about a process to forgiveness. And I think as believers, we understand the value, the importance of forgiveness, but sometimes our culture, church culture and our larger culture doesn't provide us a process. We're not very good at a process, but how do you walk through a process of, of forgiveness? So I want to try to speak to that a little bit. So uh, first off, on my handout, if you have it, that simply has some forgiveness is. Forgiveness is supernatural. Forgiveness is supernatural, meaning, um, I don't know about for you, but meaning it's, it's not natural. Forgiveness is not natural uh, for me. Um, I like Walter Wannegren, uh, uh, an author, a theologian. I like how he says it. He says, forgiveness is sort of a divine absurdity. Um, it's irrational to the world and unwise to the world. And our, our natural emotional reaction when we are hurt by someone is to feel anger, sadness, pain. Our natural reaction, response that we do typically um, is revenge. That's what's natural for me. I want revenge somehow. I want to take and, and have justice be done for me, whether that's revenge that's done through attacking someone back or whether it's revenge through withdrawing and shutting down away for a relationship. But that's my natural reaction. Forgiveness, so we choose that path, is supernatural. Secondly, I put down that forgiveness is limitless. It has no boundaries, and it's accessible to all. And I can only think of one exception. The only exception I can think of where forgiveness is not limitless would be if your big sister pinned you down and made you eat dog food. I listened to your sermon last week. And I have two big sisters, and I can't think if I could go that way, Chuck. Actually, Pastor Chuck did a really nice job uh, talking about Matthew 18 and unpacking the limitlessness of forgiveness. Um, There's nothing that cannot be forgiven. There's no one undeserving of forgiveness. And I understand, you know, there's some scripture that that speaks to the unforgivable sin, uh, blasphemy against God. However, that's, I don't know if that's speaking in this, you know, Check it out with me, but I don't know if that's speaking so much to the context of something not forgivable as much as it's speaking to the person's heart of refusing to bend before the Father. Third thing, forgiveness is not dependent on the, act- on the actions of others. And I think this is probably one of the most freeing things to understand, that our forgiveness, our giving of forgiveness, is not dependent on the actions of the person who harmed against us. We can move toward forgiveness even that person is unwilling And when we make forgiveness dependent on their actions, the problem with that is we become tethered to them. And they actually are the one who kind of hold a harness around us, or we give them a harness to us to keep us tethered to them if we make their behavior 
dependent on whether we provide forgiveness or not. And it's not. It's not. We're untethered. Forgiveness is independent of another's actions. It allows the forgiver to own change and to kind of move through a process. I also put forgiveness as unconditional. I don't know about you, but I think the most familiar pattern in the world is for forgiveness to be given based on you doing something else. Most of the time, the pattern in the world is to make forgiveness conditional on the actions of others. Gandhi, I, Gandhi, I think, was the one who said, you know, if we practice the law, an eye for an eye, all the time, we would all be blind. <laughs> and Jesus' way of forgiveness is not based on condition. I like, again, how Walter Wanger put it, but Jesus gave up his rights and so removed you from the world of law to the world of mercy, loving you with a love you did not deserve. Two more forgivenesses. Forgiveness is a process. I think oftentimes people think about forgiveness as an event. And for many people, forgiveness is a process. It takes time. It takes conversation. If it's a small hurt, sometimes that process can be very quick. If it's a really significant hurt, sometimes that process is years. Um, But to understand it's a process that we enter into relationally with, with another person that can take time. When the wound is deep, You often journey through the stages of grief where you have anger and denial, times that you bargain, times you feel depression. Um, It's not easy, but all real significant growth kind of walks a path of being able to engage in deep pain for the hope of a real beauty that can come from it. And I said this already, but lastly, again, forgiveness is a conversation. Okay? That's forgiveness. I'll give you some forgiveness is not. Um, I put forgiveness is not forgetting. Um, forgiveness doesn't erase the reality of an injury that we incur. It doesn't pretend that what happened didn't happen. It gives voice to violation. Um, and I think when we remember the harm, we're not remembering the harm to hold it against somebody, but we're remembering the harm to learn from it to try not to harm again or learn how to not harm others. And we also remember the harm to be reminded of God's grace that extends to us through forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a weakness. It's not passive for the, or for the faint of heart. And probably, um, probably one of the most vulnerable and courageous acts we can do is forgiveness. A lot of times people think about vulnerability as weakness. I can't think of anything stronger than to be vulnerable before one another, before another, and to extend and offer uh, forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, When Nancy and I lived in Colorado, um, let's see, our boys Ben and Zach, Ben was four, and Zach was two. And there was a little boy who was also four, and his name was Luke. And we always knew when Luke got in trouble, because the kids would be playing out on the playground, we'd be in our apartment, and I'd first hear a voice, and then I'd see a blur running past our patio door window, and it'd be Luke going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And pretty soon you look behind, and there would be falling some kid about five minutes later, you know, who was all hurt. And Luke was, had kind of learned really quickly that sometimes he could try to use forgiveness or saying I'm sorry to receive forgiveness as a, as a way to... Uh, get out of the consequences. So he'd always run by, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's not a get out of, get out of jail free pass. 
There are consequences to our actions that we have to deal with. I also put forgiveness as not a guarantee of a specific outcome. And Dave, I think you and I were talking about this earlier too, is that when we choose to forgive, we don't always know what will unfold with that. And we can't demand or guarantee a certain outcome. We are choosing to enter into a mystery of what unfolds as we offer forgiveness. And we're giving space to that other person to choose to do with that what they will. Hopefully they engage with us in that. But as you know, in times of hurt, sometimes people just go, hmm. And we can't demand an outcome or demand any more from them. Our responsibility is our own heart to try to give and to model Christ's love and a reflection of God to them through forgiveness. The last thing I put on forgiveness is not, which is I think helpful, at least helpful for me with people, I said forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Forgiveness is a part of reconciliation. Uh, But forgiveness, again, as I said before, it doesn't require the, the actions of another. I can extend forgiveness whether someone wants it or receives it or not. Reconciliation, however, that's a two way a two-way thing. And so we can always forgive, but we cannot always be reconciled in our relationships as that involves my choice and another's choice as we kind of walk through that process. And sometimes that's where people get hung up. It's like, if I forgive, do I still have to be in a relationship with that person? And my answer would be no, not always. Um, If that's a place that's continued hurt, continued harm, Um, the best way to potentially love that person may be to say, I can't be in a relationship with you. As opposed to ignore harm and allow it to continue. That's a real difficult one. But forgiveness, I would say, is not the same as reconciliation. And so, when I was thinking about talking with y'all, I was, uh, I thought, I like to read a lot. (laughs) And I, I picked up a book the other day when I was thinking about coming here. It was a book by Desmond Tutu. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Desmond Tutu, but he was the archbishop in South Africa and uh, back with apartheid and just the, the racial injustices, the violence and the harm that was done uh, to black people there. And Desmond Tutu, as archbishop, kind of oversaw the healing process uh, of apartheid when it ended. And it was a real controversial time because he just said, you know, things, if we take revenge, things could blow up. <laughs> but if we're going to choose to heal our country, we have to find a path. And he determined their path was the process of forgiveness. And I've been harmed in my life. I don't know if I could ever experience or know the, the level of harm that would have occurred, that did occur then and does in other places and people now. But I thought, that's somebody I want to read because they probably have something to speak to me about forgiveness. And one of the things Desmond and his, actually his daughter wrote with him talked about, he talked about a fourfold path of forgiveness. And so I just want to share that with you um, because I think what he was communicating, um, which I think is so true, is sometimes we just don't have a process. And so he tried to give a process to what they went through as they tried to heal in their nation and gave it to people. And this process is really kind of for large harms um, about um, how you forgive another person in large harms, but it's really true for small harms too. It's just that the large, large harms, sometimes you really have to go through a pretty deep and long process. Sometimes the, the small harms can be a pretty quick, you know? I had a conversation with my son Ben. I remember one morning I just felt bad about the way I engaged with him back when he was in, this is back in high school days, and felt bad about how I engaged with him and uh, got up the next morning and said, hey, I need to tell you that how I 
talked to you last night. I just, ugh, I feel horrible. And um, I just want to apologize to you. And he almost cut me, cut me off in mid-sentence. And he said, hey, Dad, do you know that all our life, we've practiced forgiveness in our home? And he says, I know your heart. <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's okay. I know where you're coming from. And just like that, you know, it happened. And sometimes you can share that kind of relationship with people or have that understanding. Sometimes, um, sometimes it's something totally different and brutally harmful that you really have to walk through. So for fourfold uh, process of forgiveness that he talked about, I'll just share some points, but I would really recommend that, um, that book. It's called The Book of Forgiving. But if you're wrestling with forgiveness... I'd really recommend that book because he not only he and his daughter are not only writing good words, but they're giving practical examples and exercise to really wrestle with your heart in the process. So, step number one uh, in the fourfold process of forgiveness, he talks about telling the story. Whatever is broken or whatever is lost can only be repaired by telling the story of what happened. Um, And what I notice is when we lock our stories inside us, when we kind of hold unforgiveness inside us and keep it inside, I just guarantee you it will always find a way out. And it may not be directly back with that person that did that harm. It may be they'll kind of go, you know, kicking the dog or banging the locker or it could come out in your family or your work or whatnot. But whenever we choose to hold that inside and don't tell our story, it will find a way out. The thing that happens, too, from a counselor perspective is, you know, when we, when we incur harm, and my wife could probably speak to this better than, than me, but our brains, um, in the midst of harm, we, we create meaning right away. We create a story in our mind about that person, about how bad they are, how awful they are, what they are, or sometimes we create a story in our mind about um, maybe how bad I am. Did I deserve that? Did I deserve that abuse? Is there something I did? And unless you take time to tell the story and unpack that, you don't take the time to reveal the meaning that's kind of going on in your mind uh, as you work through it. Trauma is trauma, trauma, but sometimes the core of the trauma is not the trauma itself, but it's the meaning that we make of the trauma. Does that make sense? Um, It's how we interpret what happens in the trauma and how we interpret about that other person and ourselves, and so we need to tell a story. When you tell a story, the simple beginning is you have to just start with the facts. And there's way more in forgiveness than just the facts, but you need to kind of practice this uh, practical idea of articulating, this is what happened. And sometimes when people tell stories, it comes out in pieces, and particularly when it's stories of a harm, it may not come out in a flow. But you need to kind of begin putting the pieces together of the harm that occurred and the way you've made meaning of that. And so you tell a story. And when you tell that story, you know, ideally, um, if it's possible and the other person who committed the harm is receptive to you, it would be great if you could sit together and you could tell the story. And they hopefully could be one to listen and to receive that, but that's not always the case. But if if it can, that's ideal, and it certainly makes the process easier. If you're not able to do that or not able to do that yet, then I would encourage you to tell the story to a trusted friend a pastor, a counselor. If you don't have someone to talk to, then tell the story by writing it down. Write down the facts of the harm that kind of went through um, your mind. 
some cases, it may be better to just share the story with someone first before you try to share it with the one who harmed you, correct? Um, but when you do share, if you do talk with that person, uh, practically speaking, again, there's ways you can do that, um, that help. And if it's a relationship that is significant to you, maybe me with Nancy or like I shared with my son, um, and you're going to walk through a place of telling someone the story of how they hurt you, it's important to begin with affirming the relationship. For me to say to Nancy, I love you. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm, I'm committed to us and the repairing of us um, to start and affirm that. But to say, I also need to tell you, um, what you did hurt me a lot, right? And if we can engage in that way first, um, that can certainly set a tone for how we're able to walk through the process of telling story. If it's not somebody that we have an intimate relationship with, maybe it's just simply saying, I want to talk to you, and the purpose of me talking, I want to talk about hurt, but I want to walk through it in a way to work toward forgiveness and healing. And so I want to talk, and if it's okay, I want to share some difficult things, but I want you to know my heart's intent is for the purpose of healing. It's not here to tear you down, but it's to talk honestly and for us to work through together what we need to deal with. So if you can, the first step involves telling the story. What Desmond then talks about, the second step is to be able to name the hurt. And honestly, I think this is the hardest part. It's one thing to tell the facts. Um, it's another thing to face the feelings that we feel. Feelings of betrayal. Feelings that someone embarrassed us in front of somebody. <laughs> you know, feelings of just straight out disrespect and harm, but to allow ourselves to feel that is the most difficult. And I don't know if y'all are like me, but I just soon shoved that down. <laughs> I'm kind of the king of denial, the king of suppression, the king of, oh, that's okay, we'll just pass it by. And again, I don't know if we want to make every offense this huge ordeal, but at the same time, we need to feel. We need to name the story, but then also feel kind of how it impacts us and what it does to us. The single most important thing I would say is for us to be able to share our sorrows, our pain, our fears, and our grief. If we don't allow ourselves to walk through a process of grief, we'll more than likely hang on to anger, more than likely hang on to resent resentment. When you name the hurt, no feelings wrong. Um, when we give voice to our hurt, it loosens the stranglehold uh, on us then it stops letting the hurt be the central part of our story. You with me? Make sense? When we tell our stories and we name our hurt, we face our suffering rather than reject pain, reject grief, or pursue revenge. Okay? Ideally, if you're the one who ever has that conversation, you know, if you're, raise your hand. Have you ever had someone come and say to you that they've been hurt by you? Anyone else besides me? Yeah. Ideally, and you, you know, a thing I would tell you is that sometimes I've had that happen where I thought, I didn't, I didn't hurt you, or I didn't mean to hurt you, or I might have some justification for it. I would tell you, ideally, please withhold from that. <laughs> ideally, give space to listen, even if you feel like you didn't do anything wrong, and maybe you didn't do anything wrong, but don't begin with justifying or defending back. If someone comes to you and says they've been hurt by you, then... Um, 
do what my good friend Larry Austin did. You know, you guys know Larry Austin, pastor up at, uh, used to be a pastor up at, at Westchester. I had an issue, a situation that happened with him that involved a hurt, and I sat down and talked with him, and he looked at me when I, when I told him, Larry, I want to talk with you about a hurt that I felt from you. He looked at me and says, oh my gosh, <laughs> please talk to me. Our relationship is so important to me. Let me give you space to hear what's happened. And so, and it was a beautiful, (laughs) a beautiful process, a beautiful thing that Larry did with me. And we talked and we healed together and there was misunderstanding on my part. Give space to hear. And he didn't have to, there's things that I thought that he didn't actually do. And so he he didn't have to admit wrong with that, but we could clarify it later once he took time to listen. The third step in the fourfold path is granting forgiveness. After we tell our stories, name our hurts, the next step is forgiveness. And sometimes, like I said before, it takes a long time. Uh, Sometimes it doesn't take very much time at all. I know for me personally, when it it comes to the act of forgiveness, that I believe that the primary relationship that's being addressed or, or, or dealt with that time is not necessarily my relationship with that person, but my relationship with God. My primary relationship in the act of forgiveness that's being addressed first is my relationship with God. What I understand in that relationship with God is that I'm the sinner. In my relationship with God, as I think about that, I'm the sinner. Even before someone sinned against me, even before someone harmed me, um, I sinned against God. And God responded with endless love toward me. And when I hold that perspective and realize I'm dealing primarily with this relationship, Really, before I'm dealing with this relationship, it unfolds an ability sometimes to go, okay, I understand my humanity and my position for, before God and my need. And it sets a tone for me to think about how do I then release someone else with forgiveness as I try to give that to them. Forgiveness enables us to contribute value. It enables us to create a positive outcome to a terrible tragedy. And like I said before, sometimes it can just take a lot of time. You know, we've, we've been involved with some sad news in Iowa and this horrible tragedy up in Ames uh, with the young golfer that was, that was murdered. And, I, you know, I don't know how much, I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how much time that takes. I just know something like that takes an incredible amount of time. And I would say if you need to offer forgiveness or feel compelled to, forgiveness comes from the heart. It's not a checkbox. It's not something go, ah, you know, I know I'm supposed to offer forgiveness. Okay, I'm sorry. Check that off. Um, if you're not there yet, I would probably say that's okay. Don't say something that your heart isn't ready for yet. Still wrestle with it. But when you offer forgiveness, do try to offer it fully, as fully as you can. Not a checkbox. And grant you forgiveness. Hmm. A story that's transform- transformed. Oops, sorry. Jumped ahead of my notes. Um, if you speak the words of forgiveness, again, no conditions attack, attached. Forgiveness is forgiveness. How do you know when you've forgiven? forgiven? I, I don't know if there's a way to wrap that up and tie that in a bow, but I just know that when you truly release and forgive someone, there is a sense of peace. There is a sense of freedom. And there's a sense of that you're releasing yourself and trusting God with whatever the outcome may be. Um, at least that's my guide for me. The last step... Because forgiveness doesn't end with just granting forgiveness, the process. The last step is renewing or releasing the relationship. Um, 
There's a choice that you need to make if you can renew or release the relationship. Obviously, I think our desire, God's desire, is for us to be able to reconcile, to be able to renew a relationship. And again, as I said before, um, that takes two. And when we do that, something beautiful happens. When we can reconcile and heal, uh, again, we give a picture again of the garden and how it must be. And that certainly is the hope as we are called to be ministers of reconciliation. Oftentimes, though, or many times, it can be... um, Sometimes the relationship, like I said before, can't be healed, and it's okay to release the relationship. Uh, it's okay to say, I can't continue this relationship. It can't, it can't be restored if you faithfully try to enter into that process. And for a lot of people, there's a lot of guilt to that, but I think there's freedom to release the relationship. So Desmond talks about needing to kind of make a decision, renewing or releasing the relationship. When you release the relationship, you still carry that person with you to a degree, but they no longer occupy the space in your head and your heart. You try to, to let that go uh, for them. And again, that's not always easy. But you can't make a new start as though the past has passed. You just you have to release to make a new start. Okay? Um, let me just give you a couple more thoughts, just again, on a practical, on a practical level. Okay? And then we'll wrap up. Um, Give you a word about seeking forgiveness and forgiving others. Um, I think I put in the notes, you know, seeking forgiveness. There's no magic wand to go back to and be able to change time. Um, I wish we could do that, uh, but we can't. We all need forgiveness. And I know it isn't easy to admit one's wrong, but simply the words to say I'm sorry is the beginning point. And I know a lot of times for us and for me, I think we think about, okay, what's the right time? Uh, what are the right words to say? And frankly, um, it has less to do with the right timing, the right words, and more to do with courage. I mean, the best way to begin is to begin. <laughs> and so uh, that's what you need to do. Practically speaking, here's what I'd say. Acknowledge, if you're the one who's seeking forgiveness, acknowledge what you did was wrong and affirm that you know that you hurt the person. Perhaps irreparably. Then I'd say be willing to answer all questions that person asks and not to try to justify your actions with an excuse, but to answer questions as honestly as you can. Be willing to witness the anguish that your actions have done to another. Um, And that's really important. Sometimes as we seek forgiveness, we need to bear the weight of the pain that we've caused and be willing to see and hear that. And that actually brings a lot of healing to the person um, and to us. Finally, I'd say, you know, say I'm sorry, but only say it if it's from the heart. And also explain to the person why you don't want to choose to hurt them again and what you will do to try to stop that from happening again. Um, Our actions are the greatest reveal of our intentions. And so speak the actions that you want to do. If you don't know the victim or the victim doesn't know that you've hurt them, then you'll have to kind of wrestle with what do you do with that. Um, Only you know kind of what needs to be faced. And sometimes it's always concerning if you feel like talking with someone about where you need forgiveness, something that you've done. If you feel like it's going to increase the injury, um, you may need some wise counsel from pastors or friends or counselors about do you talk with that person about it. Um, all I can say is there can be no genuine forgiveness and therefore no, no genuine healing 
without genuine truth. Um, when I was out in New York City, uh, this is kind of silly as I think about it. I, I ran a parenting group when I was 23 years old. Uh, I, I, they must have just thought I was ridiculous. Um, but I, had, I worked with inner city youth in New York City and uh, was involved in quite a bit. And so I thought, well, I'll get their high school parents together. And this 23-year-old kid was going to really help these 40, 40-some-year-old uh, parents with stuff. Thank God I brought in a counselor once to talk with them about forgiveness. And uh, as, as parents and what you do with the children, one of the things I'll just share real quick is that one of the most interesting things was when we got done, this counselor looked at the parents in the room and he said, you know, Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to go home, and I want you to ask your child if there is anything that's happened in our time together, in our lifetime together, if there's anything that I need to seek forgiveness for, I'd love you to tell me. I'd like to listen. Um, It was amazing the next week when parents came back, uh, the stories that began to be shared. You know, one dad talked about, he's like... My kid's in high school now, and when he was four years old, he talked about the time that I refused to get him the bicycle (laughs) that he wanted and what that was like around this. And we had this conversation. He said, I would have never known. And it released something in our relationship that's been sitting there, and a theme of him feeling like I don't love him or care for him that I never would have known about unless I asked, is there something that I need forgiveness for? Um, So be willing to seek forgiveness. Be willing to ask and initiate with people about what the harm may be. The last thing I'll say, um, one of the hardest things, I think, is actually forgiving ourselves. Anyone there with me at all? Um, it can be hard to forgive, or forgive others. Sometimes it's hard to, really hard to forgive ourselves. Um, to do so, we really have to be willing to face the consequences of what we've done and go through that fourfold path of forgiveness fully to do that. But when we make our identity out of our past actions, we deny ourselves the ability to be transformed and the ability to kind of have the freedom that I think God has promised us through that. And we're chained then to something uh, that God says we're not. And that's not the freedom or the forgiveness that Christ offers us. Experiencing guilt and shame, I think, can be helpful to us to move us forward to the process. But if it becomes our mojo, um, it will destroy connection. And God has given us the opportunity to connection, to live out reconciliation, to live out relationship, hopefully restored to the picture of the garden again. Um, and when we don't receive or accept forgiveness, again, I'm not saying this in judgment, I'm just saying this to kind of think about, but when we don't receive forgiveness for our own actions, don't forgive ourselves, we're kind of holding us in a higher standard than what God holds us to. And I don't want you, but I don't want to be the fourth member of the Trinity. (laughs) I don't want to to impose a standard that God doesn't even impose on me. Um, We are not defined by the sum of our wrong actions. That's not how we're defined in Christ. I'm reminded of, uh, I love, there's a passage of scripture, I don't have time to read it, but in Galatians 2, the, the back half of Galatians 2, 15 and on. And Paul talks about how, this picture of how we're not set right through self improvement. We're, we, we can't do enough to do rule-pleasing, God-pleasing actions. We're not set right by that. We're set right solely by believing in the Messiah and believing by what the Messiah has done. And, and he makes a statement, I don't want to go back to that peer-pleasing, rule-keeping religion again. And if I do, 
Everything in that is an abandonment of what Christ has done, and he's died unnecessarily. God has forgiven you. When you seek forgiveness, God releases you, and um, if you're stuck in that place, you can't forgive yourself. That's a tough one. Like, talk to people. Talk with someone. As we close, I just want to bring us back to this idea that I think that my greatest hope for us, again, not is that we just learn, but there's something that stirs in us to actually take action, uh, to do something. So that's what I hope you kind of leave thinking about. And um, uh, let me ask this. <laughs> you don't have to raise your hand, okay? And please don't feel a pressure to raise your hand. But if you're like me, like as I was listening to Chuck's sermons the last two Sundays online, and think, I was thinking about this, for me, uh, it began me thinking a lot about is there places, Kent, that either you need to seek forgiveness or you need to forgive. And, um, and, I've, and there's things that have come to mind that I have to deal with. And I, I don't know about you, but if you want to raise your hand, I'm just curious to ask if there's, have, you, have any of you thought about places that you maybe need to seek forgiveness or you need to give forgiveness just thinking these last few weeks? Yeah? If you have, um, and again, didn't have to raise your hand, but if you have, um, I'd encourage you to let someone know that. It takes courage to follow that path, and sometimes you need the strength of locking arms with another (laughs) to say, hey, I I need to kind of walk this way. Can you pray for me? Can you help me walk this path? And it's always, again, a difficult path, but um, it brings glory and redemption and freedom. So let me pray. And we'll wrap from there, okay? Father, again, I just I pray that you'd move us to act. Um, I pray that just thinking about forgiveness today and the weeks before, I just uh, ask that you uniquely work in each of our spirits as you need to work and um, uh, give us the courage to walk and the trust to walk faithfully with you in healing our relationships. We pray in your name. Amen.